Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Do you think the past 20 years have been a waste? It depends who you talk to. Do I trust the Taliban? No. But I trust the capacity of the Afghan military, who is better trained, better equipped, and more competent in terms of conducting war. I mean, it is undoubtedly true that there have been gains for women's rights, for human rights in Afghanistan, for, you know, quote-unquote democracy in the country, like there have been elections. In other world news, preliminary results from Afghanistan's presidential election show incumbent Ashraf Ghani has secured a slim majority. There is at least uh, a central government in place. But what the U.S. mission was, was basically to transform Afghanistan into a stable nation in Central Asia. It has not done that. The Taliban are on the march and gaining territory at an astonishing rate. It has not even succeeded in defeating the Taliban on the battlefield. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... I'm Alex Ward. I'm a new national security reporter at Politico, and I'm the anchor of our newsletter, National Security Daily. As the September deadline for troop withdrawal nears, Alex Ward, on recent Taliban advances, and Biden's big bet on diplomacy in Afghanistan... Yeah, the Taliban is a hardline insurgent group that uh, controlled Afghanistan, took over Afghanistan in the 1990s. And it was severely brutal, right? I mean, just subverting human rights for women, for children. The battle was so heavy and uh, they used heavy guns and cannons for the few days. Just an extremely, like, old-style really horrific form of leadership. And the U.S. was not a fan to begin with, but really not a fan after September 11th when uh, it became clear that the Taliban had harbored al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. And so the George W. Bush administration launched an invasion. Good afternoon. On my orders, the United States military has begun strikes against al-Qaeda terrorist training camps and military installations of the Taliban regime in Afghanistan. And it led uh, to the long-standing 20-year war that is still ongoing, technically. These carefully targeted actions are designed to disrupt the use of Afghanistan as a terrorist base of operations and to attack the military capability of the Taliban regime. Um, the U.S. never really gained uh, a military win. It did push the Taliban out, and uh, the Taliban kept fighting back and making their own certain gains. And so there was never really a, a big military win. You know, there's there's elections and there's a democratic government in theory, although it's very corrupt and there's tons of issues. Have there been improvements? Yes. But is the overall situation solved, right? The thing that the U.S. really went in to fight uh, after a while. First, it was remove al-Qaeda and the Taliban. Then it was sort of transform Afghanistan. It looks like that first mission somewhat succeeded. The second mission is not. Despite that lack of success, President Biden in April made this announcement to withdraw all troops from the country by September 11 of this year, period. We cannot continue the cycle of extending or expanding our military presence in Afghanistan, hoping to create ideal conditions for the withdrawal and expecting a different result. Um, this was an announcement that drew a lot of blowback from critics, from some experts saying it's hasty and would lead to violence and embolden the Taliban. As the U.S. has been withdrawing troops over the past couple months, have we seen that fear come true? 
Yes and no. I mean, I think it was always clear that as, you know, American and foreign troops left Afghanistan, the Taliban would take over certain regions, and they have. As by some estimates, they've taken 200 districts, many of them in the north of Afghanistan, which is traditionally the power center base, really, for the government. Uh, So it's not that, in a sense, isn't a surprise. What may be a surprise is how swiftly they've done it. Um, And they've done it in some areas where, you know, their Afghan troops put down their arms or that weren't really, you know, well guarded. Over the weekend, Afghan government troops in the north of the country abandoned their posts and fled to neighboring Tajikistan. The reason? A Taliban advance they felt they were ill-equipped to oppose. Uh, the Taliban has struggled to take over many cities. They've they've tried, uh, but they've been rebuffed so far. And so what we're seeing right now is maybe heading towards a stalemate in Afghanistan, uh, where the Taliban has made these you know initial gains. The Afghan government and others are sort of pushing back and then will be, you know, at a, at an equilibrium, let's say, which could make the negotiations uh, even harder because the Taliban, in a way, seems to be looking for uh, a military advantage so they can make a political deal, a diplomatic deal on their terms. Uh, if that is no longer the case, let's say where, you know, the Afghan government and the Taliban are kind of, you know, 50-50, that's not going to be the case, but roughly there, then, you know, does the Taliban really think about a diplomatic strategy or do they push on? And then we have an, a longer ongoing civil war, but this time, of course, without the U.S. and foreign troops in the middle of it. You mentioned negotiations. Obviously, the Biden administration has pushed for a diplomatic approach here. Um Over the weekend, there was this big meeting with delegations from both the Afghan government and the Taliban to discuss a path toward peace. You and your new newsletter have exclusive interviews with the U.S.'s special envoy for Afghanistan and Afghanistan's national security advisor about it all. And people can find a link to that in our show notes. But Alex, what happened during those talks this weekend and what sort of progress has there been? In negotiations. Yeah, it's yet another set of talks between Kabul and its allies and the Taliban. And this was a very senior level delegation, right? So there were some high hopes for this meeting. In the end, you know, not too much has come out of it. We, there was a joint declaration saying, look, you know, they do want to accelerate the pace of discussions. In other words, you know, maybe trying to reach a solution sooner rather than later, especially as foreign troops, including American troops, are leaving. And uh, the Taliban, I'm told by a source familiar, offered a 3,000 prisoner swap, right? So 3,000 prisoners released each and a ceasefire during Eid, uh, which is currently not agreed to when Kabul is thinking about this right now. But this is sort of where we're at. You know, we're still at the, hey, can we exchange prisoners? Can we not? We're not really at the, well, what does a future Afghan government look like? And I know, speaking to U.S. and Afghan officials, that they're pretty upset at the slow pace of these negotiations. So what is the next step look like in your eyes? As you said, the Taliban appears to be advancing in hopes of getting some leverage. There's still this back and forth of violence. Like, where will things ultimately end up? Because a stalemate isn't sustainable in the long term, right? I mean, in a way, we've had a true stalemate over 20-ish years, right? There was a time where the U.S. did push out the Taliban, but they came back. <laughs> um, and there are countries around, including Pakistan, that have interests in allegedly in keeping the Taliban around. Um, so I don't really expect, you know, the Taliban to win outright militarily. I think the the, the U.S. and others are right that a, a sort of fall of Kabul is not inevitable. It could happen. Don't get me wrong. Um, but at the moment, it does seem like there is a bit of a stasis or there could be a stasis. Um, that could change, of course. Um, and if that's the case, then 
what I think will happen is it will be a pretty big disagreement between Washington and Kabul over the diplomacy. Because right now, this is the main part of the American strategy, right? Help broker this diplomatic deal between the Taliban and Afghanistan. But the Afghan government is saying, look, the Taliban is pursuing a military first strategy. You know, they're, don't, they're not really playing ball. They don't really want to engage with us. Um, they're doing nothing to make peace. Now, will a stalemate lead to the Taliban to reconsider? Possibly. Many people would say no. Um, what it could mean then is that as negotiations drag out, as the war drags out, Kabul and Washington sort of start to differ on, you know, we tried this diplomacy thing and it didn't work out. So um, I ex- expect turbulence ahead. What does that mean for the people living in Afghanistan? More horror, unfortunately. You're expecting more war. You're expecting a lot more time in between maybe having a functioning government versus not having one right now. Um, You're expecting little help from outside forces that have more, you know, air support and firepower. Right now, it seems like when the U.S. will get involved in Afghanistan, it will be for counterterrorism missions, not for anti-Taliban missions. We'll see if that changes over time. But, you know, for the moment, if I'm in Afghanistan, I am worried about the future of my country because I may be expecting more war. I may be expecting more political strife and, frankly, no resolutions to the problems that the U.S. went in to solve 20 years ago. So what does that mean for the Biden administration? Because they decided to pull out. They're putting diplomacy first. But a diplomatic solution, if it's even possible, seems so far away. Will this be a loss for the White House? You know, it really depends. Like if Kabul falls on Biden's watch, there's no question that people are going to blame him, right? Because he's the one who made the decision to withdraw U.S. troops, uh, leading NATO to pull its troops and others. You know, his whole thing is, look, we tried the military solution. It didn't work. We're going to try to broker some sort of deal. And in fact, the U.S. has more flexibility to broker a deal because we're not in the war. And so we can sort of be on both people's sides or at least not have our troops in harm's way. And so we can be frank with both sides. Um, That is all well and good as long as the Taliban does not take over by force. So if that happens, I think everyone's going to quickly jump on Biden and say this was a failure. Uh, however, if you sort of muddle through or if there is even a tangent, you know, a small, uh, uh, even incremental progress on the diplomatic front that leads to some sort of maybe even future power sharing agreement between Kabul and Taliban, then I think people will say, look, Biden made the right call. He got troops out of harm's way and there is some political progress. I don't think anyone truly believes that the U.S. can make this fundamental massive you know, change in Afghanistan. There are some critics who say that, but I think the majority of people realize that America's ability to influence the future politics and future life in Afghanistan is quite limited at this point. Um, The question is, what was the best way to make progress? And Biden has put all his eggs in the diplomatic basket. Alex Ward, thanks so much for talking with me. Of course, thanks for having me. Alex Ward is the author of Politico's new National Security Daily newsletter. You can sign up for that at politico.com slash newsletters. Also today, Canada is planning to ease border restrictions for fully vaccinated travelers from the U.S. on August 9th, before loosening restrictions for people from other countries a month later. The Trudeau government's announcement on Monday followed months of pressure on Ottawa and Washington to ease the rules on non-essential travel. A major unanswered question at this point is how and when the Biden administration will peel back its own measures at the shared border. And 
A federal judge has handed down the first felony sentence in the January insurrection. On Monday, U.S. District Judge Randolph Moss sent 38-year-old Paul Hodgkins of Tampa to prison for eight months for obstructing Congress's effort to tabulate and certify the electoral vote. As he imposed the sentence, Moss said Hodgkins sent a profound and dangerous message by raising the Trump flag on the Senate floor, saying, quote, The symbolism of that act is unmistakable and that people have to know that assaulting the United States Capitol and impeding the democratic process, even if you don't come bearing arms, will have consequences. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, tell a friend to check out the show. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.